Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fin Factor. I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And Aaron? I am not Marshall. What? <laughs> what happened? I'm back. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry to disappoint you and everyone else. <laughs> nah, man, good to have you back. How is, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the third one now. Uh, his name is Miles, and he's fantastic. He's, uh, he's this little little guy who was born on the 20th and uh, very, I want to say he's a very easy baby if there's such a thing, I guess. He's pretty chill and loves his brother and sister, so um, I'm hoping it uh, stays smooth as <laughs> it's been decent so far. The My middle one, my daughter, is actually having the hardest time because uh, middle child syndrome is hitting hard with her. And she's only two and a half, so she's she's learning hard. But uh, it's fantastic. It's great. It's good to spend some time with the family. And um, I'm still kind of off of work, too, a little bit. So uh, it's been very much family first for the last couple of weeks. It's been great. Very cool. Getting some extra time off. Nice. I mean, obviously, that time is going into work and everything, but uh, work with the family at least. But uh, yeah, man, glad to have you back and uh, and welcome back, of course. Uh, and it sounds like actually, um, the fans will be welcomed back into SAP center, uh, sometime fairly soon, Santa Clara County, uh, lifting, I guess, some of the restrictions there about people gathering and whatnot. So it sounds like sooner than later, uh, we're going to have some fans at SAP center. What do you think about that? Uh, fantastic. Um, I think, um, man, it's been, I think you and I went to a game together in February, right before all this stuff hit a year ago. Uh, we did kind of a, a spotlight on the food options that were just being introduced <laughs> there. So um, that was the last game I've been to. And I think that was one of the last, if not the last game that they had people attending. Maybe it was one more after that, I think, actually. But uh, yeah, it's, it feels like it's been forever ago. Um, and it'd be fantastic. I'm kind of getting tired of the fake crowd noise that they have in the games. Although I have to say it is not that bad. I think they time it pretty well with the shots and the missed shots and the oohs and the ahs. I think it's it, it's not terrible. Um, and it, you tend to forget that there are actually no people in the stands. But um, it would be good good for the team to get some revenue in there because NHL is very leaning very heavily on fan attendance for revenues. Um, so that will help with, uh, with the whole bottom line of, you know, the Sharks and everyone else in the league. So it's a good thing for the league. And, I know we're we're all very tired of this COVID business, so um, good riddance. I can't wait to things to get back to even somewhat normal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to call out Patrick Cabral here, <laughs> saying no, Marshall, Marshall, Marshall. <laughs> That's rude, Patrick. It's rude. So mean. Uh, and then RT saying, button? Yeah, "I'm going to mute him for." <laughs> And then RT saying, "Congrats on the new baby." Yes, of course. Uh, and Patrick again saying, "Congrats again." Um, yeah. So let's. Um, do we want to lead in with game one of Colorado, or do we? We have a T-shirt thing that we're going to get to, which we can do at the beginning and the end if you want. But um, should we? Should we do that first? Sure. Let's do that okay. first. Go ahead. Um, actually, I don't know the full details here because I've been kind of out of it. So, well, um, luckily I, for you, uh, I Super did Producer buy Jason. One, though. Super producer Jason has made a, a beautiful graphic and we can wing it now there that he's go. put that up. So hockey is for everyone. T-shirt limited edition benefits of Silicon Valley pride. And there's uh, many different sizes, small, medium, large, extra large. Uh, there's $10 for shipping, but you can pick it up and it's available at solar for America ice and the pro shop. 
Uh, it's limited availability and it's only in uh, March 2021 or until they actually sell out, which I'm assuming will be uh, pretty quick, I would think. I know uh, you got one. I, I got one. I actually stopped by today to pick it up, but uh, their shop was closed down. So I have to, <laughs> you have to get an email telling you what time to show up. Uh, so maybe yeah. just pay the $10 for shipping. But anyway, it's $29.99. And again, it does benefit Silicon Valley Pride. They're available at SJ Team Shop dot com so if you want to get one of these awesome pride shirts uh you know hockey is for everyone says in the back there the number 21 on it for those folks listening on the podcast that can't see what we're talking about um definitely go check that out again sjteamshop.com uh and it supports uh, a really good cause so uh there you go there's the information on that and we'll probably bring that back near the end of the episode just as a reminder but uh, a couple things about us before we jump into the game. I'll make this quick again for our shirts, our hats and our stickers. You can go to the finfactor.com, uh, go to the support link. And that's, uh, that's exactly what you're doing. You're supporting the show. So we do appreciate any of the uh, purchases you guys make. It goes straight back into the show, not into our pockets, of course. And uh, again, we do appreciate that. Another way you can support the show either through the super chat or you can go to Venmo and we are, I believe it's at the fin factor. Uh, super producer Jason, can you put that? There it is at the fin factor on Venmo. If you'd like to give us a tip there to help support the show. Yes. The more, you know, um, so if you'd like to support us there as well, and I know you guys were asking for that because you said you didn't want some of the money to go to the YouTube Google peoples. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, okay. So now that that's all out of the way, Aaron, was there anything that I missed? Are we good there? Uh, no, I'm just, I think I'm going to be picking up my shirt in the next day or two. So maybe by the next show, I'll have it here and I can uh, hold it up for everyone. And they can see it like an actual shirt, not a rendering of the shirt like we just had. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm sure it'll look, you know, slightly different or in person. So sure. yeah, I'll have it here next show. Good stuff. I'll see if I can do the same. We'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. But let's get on with uh, game one against Colorado, we'll call it. Uh, it's actually game three, really, because uh, we played two, two games against them uh, previously in the season. So this uh, first game of this miniseries, however, the Sharks do pull out a humongous win, a 6-2 win, uh, but it didn't start out all sunshine and rainbows. The first goal against went to Colorado. Uh, Gerard, actually, who's a defenseman, uh, brought the puck in. It was kind of one-on-one with Mark Edward Vlasic, and he kind of goes like he's going to the outside, pulls up hard, and Vlasic goes flying by him and gives him the inside. Now, I know a lot of people have been or have been critical of Mark Edward Vlasic lately, and totally understandable. But this is something that's uncharacteristic of Mark Edward Vlasic. He would not normally just allow somebody to come to the inside like that. So it was a really good move by Gerard. Maybe you could see Vlasic's game slipping a bit in terms of just his you know, falling off a cliff, getting a little bit older now. I don't know. But uh, in this instance, at least, yes, he, uh, he kind of let Gerard just walk right in, which is unfortunate. So uh, Colorado Avalanche pick up a one nothing lead right off of that. And then the, the rest of the first period, there was kind of nothing going on. It was actually kind of back and forth. I thought both teams played fairly well in the first, nothing too crazy. Uh, the, the face-offs obviously feeling lopsided. We've talked about this already before. And, and even tonight's game, uh, the face-offs were, again, pretty lopsided. Again, the Sharks missing Tomas Hurdle very, very much in that department. So on uh, that game, the second period starts up, and then we've got uh, the Abs. Uh, increasing their lead to 2-0 by a power play goal from uh, Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, he's just, you know, start getting that sinking feeling when you see this again. Okay, second period, they've got the first goal of the period, and you just feel like that's where it's all going to start going downhill. I don't know if you're watching this game, but did you get that sense after that second goal went in, Aaron? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've, like, I was kind of mad at myself for having this feeling, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, what do you expect from the Sharks in the last season and a half where – especially last season, I think even more so than this season, 
Um, although this season they kind of let in goals in bunches. Uh, so they let a, a goal in and then either the shift right after or the one right after that, they'll let in another goal. Um, thankfully it didn't happen this time, but you know, it's like, man, the sharks just can't catch a break. And it's, I just thought, Oh, great. Here we go. The avalanche is coming and you know, no pun intended that the goals are going to just start coming in bunches against the sharks in this game, especially since we just started the second period and we all know how terrible the second period is for the sharks. So yes, absolutely. I thought this is great. This is going to be a terrible game to watch. So I did not change the channel. Thankfully I did stick it out. Uh, so I did get to see them kind of the sharks come back and, and score, but that third period was wild, man. I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic that the sharks were finally putting scoring the goals when they're getting their chances. If, if that makes sense. I mean, that's kind of obvious, you know, Yogi Berra like, but um, more like, I feel like this is the Sharks' problem is they get a grade A scoring chance and either don't even get a shot on goal or just either, you know, the goalie makes a great save. I, I feel like that's like their MO for the past couple weeks. Um, it's not like the Sharks haven't had any chances. They've been completely dominant. They just haven't been able to convert their chances. So in this game, I felt like, yeah, they were finally, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves because I know you want to get through them all, but. Um, they did finally score on their chances and it felt great. It felt great to see the Sharks score goals <laughs> and not give them up uh, coming back the other way right away, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I just I want to call out a comment here real quick. Um, Mr. Hernandez here says, okay, okay, guys, let's talk tonight's game. Hey, man, you got to eat your peas and carrots before you get to your cupcake, okay? Uh, <laughs> but this is this game is the cupcake. Why do you want to talk about the game tonight? Come on, let's, let's uh, relish in our, our 6-2 victory first, okay? So uh, the Sharks do strike back. Shimmick of all people, gets his first of the year. The first by a defenseman not named Brent Burns. Uh, Balsers uh, grabs a puck, throws it over to Pickles, and he finds Shimmick cruising right up the gut. And this is one of those plays where, again, Vlasic kind of redeems himself, right? Makes a bad play, makes a good play. And it was one of those ones where, you know, the, the pass almost looked like it was going to go to Shimmick at first, and, and it kind of went all the way past him. And it, Vlasic just picks up the puck, look, picks his head back up, and there's Shimmick right in the middle there. So he fires it to him, and then boom. Uh, he's like right in the slot, fires it in, uh, no problems whatsoever. And he was pumped. He was jazzed. And I think he was uh, he was looking at Vlasic saying, you know, giving him the, you know, what for? Like, yeah, man, awesome. Good job. Good pass. Good eye. Everything else. So, uh, you know, good to see the two of them kind of connecting and, and playing well together, uh, seeing each other and whatnot. I mean, you, you heard last a uh, couple seasons ago, I think it was uh, Brent Burns saying, you know, I like playing with Shemek. He makes good reads. Uh, you know, he's I don't know what he's saying half the time, but he makes good reads. Maybe those good reads are really what's going to help. Uh, Mark Edward Vlasic find his game again. You know, he, he paired well so with Justin Braun. Um, and with without that guy, you know, he's been not quite the same for a long time. So maybe another guy who's very defensive-minded like Shimmick and can take a lot of the physical pressure off of Vlasic might help rejuvenate his game. We'll see as the, the games go on, they get used to each other a little bit more. But in this instance, it wasn't them playing well defensively. It was them connecting offensively and it uh, it sparked them. It was the the spark that licked the keg of powder, uh, gunpowder, if you will. So uh, the Sharks would end up scoring another, well, another five, but six straight goals in, in this game. And uh, there was by LeBanc. There was a, a lot of hard work that happened behind the net by Kane and Couture. And I asked LeBanc about this uh, after the, the game was over with. And I said, you know, is this like a strategy that you guys have or is this just the way that the play developed? And unfortunately, he gave me a very hockey answer. Otherwise, I'd probably have the clip for you. But essentially, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of hard work and puck protection by Evander Kane and Logan Couture. 
Uh, Kane taking a lot of the hits, gets the puck over to Couture. Couture kind of dazzles with the puck a little bit, gets it back to Kane, who again becomes the tank. Drives from behind the net up towards the, the front of the net, spins around, and there's LeBanc right there waiting in the slot, just bang, bangs it home. And again, that was just one of those awesome plays that you like seeing from the Sharks. And you're like, we should do this more often, guys. Puck possession and then quick little one-timers right in front of the net and make the goalie move. Anytime you get the goalie move and he's not set, it's always going to be good things. So uh, that was a, a really good uh, goal by LeBanc, set up by Kane and by Couture. Then you've got Balsers, who was credited with the goal. It looked like Timo was going to get that one, but actually he kind of poked uh, the defense, or I'm sorry, Kadri's stick. It looked like and it was Kadri's stick that actually hit it, even though kind of influenced by Timo, right? But the the thing for me on this goal wasn't so much the the shot and that it went off of Kadri. It was the tip in by Gambrell. There was a pass to Gambrell, and he just kind of let the puck ramp off of his stick off the boards and perfectly fell right onto Balser's stick. And to me, without that, this whole play is nothing, right? So uh, for, again, for me, watch that clip again, but my hat is off to Dylan Gambrell. He's been playing solid all season long. It's nice to see him get rewarded with a point here and there. I still don't think he has a goal, but it's nice to have him generating offense and generating chances. So even if the puck doesn't go in, I think the guy's been doing a really great job. Uh, and especially with Hurdle being out and him having to try to take over as this second uh, you know, centerman role, Mm-hmm. That's got to be tough, you know, especially when you're playing against these top teams like Colorado, where every once in a while, yeah, you're probably going up against one of the best lines in not just the league in the world. So, um, you know, good on him for doing those little plays and, and getting it right. Um, the, then, of course, we've got the I'm gonna, I, I have it as EK65, but really somebody else had uh, made a joke about it. And I said I was going to steal it. So here I am. I'm stealing it. I are 65. Get it. Injury reserve 65. Um, yeah, so he has a, a bomb from the point, and it was just an amazing shot. It was nice setup. Uh, I think uh, Kaner uh, fired it over to him, and he was just lined up straight from, from the blue line, just a straight shot right to the net. Uh, wasn't to the left, wasn't to the right. He was dead center of the ice. Fired this thing, and it just goes up and over uh, right past the blue stick side, and it went right in. Just, I mean, it was a seeing eye shot. He just fired a cannon. So it was nice to see Eric Carlson get on the board with more than an assist, just getting getting a goal there, maybe a little bit of a confidence booster and kind of shows that, yeah, I can still do it. You know, I, I still got the cannon, so I just got to unload it every once in a while. And we've heard uh, Brett Hedekin get really critical of Eric Carlson this season, saying, you know, he's passing up the shots. He's trying to make the pretty play all the time. He's trying to go for that pass. He's trying to make the pretty pass. Um, and he would much rather see him just unload because he knows Eric Carlson has a really good shot. Well, in this case, Eric Carlson lets it go. And man, it just goes in. So it gives them the 4-2 lead at this point. Then you've got the Leonard breakaway. The Leonard breakaway was awesome. He kind of fumbled the puck a little bit, brings the puck back in. And then I think it was uh, uh, Grubauer tried to go for the uh, the flying poke check Rooney there. And uh, Leonard just walks around him, uh, buries it into the empty net there, essentially. And speaking of empty nets, uh, Vander Kane tops it all off. The cherry on top, the empty net goal, making it 6-2. to two. Um, I, and I thought that was just a, a really good offensive effort by the Sharks. They did a really good job pressuring. They were controlling the puck really well for the majority of the game, and they did a really good job of keeping the top guys uh, on the Colorado Avalanche to a minimum, I thought. So there was all the goals that happened in that game. Uh, if you want to call those the peas and carrots, I call that the cupcake, but you know it is what it is. If you guys want to get moving to the next one, we can. However, uh, Aaron, I think you want to talk a little bit about uh, Martin Jones in this game. Yeah, I thought Martin Jones had a good game, and um, even the post-game quotes from, I think, almost everyone, Bob Bugner and a couple of the players, uh, said the same thing. He had some good key saves and key moments, which is something that 
the Sharks have come kind of lacking, I feel like, for their goaltending. So a really good game for Martin Jones. Um, I almost feel like him and the Sharks play better when they're playing a team where they're kind of down at, not down and out, but not expected to win, right? Like it's supposed to be a big blowout going the other way. They kind of step up their game and play their best game, which if you remember when the Sharks were at the top of the league, that happened to a lot of teams that they played against that um, people are always like, wow, why can't the Sharks beat Ottawa? They, they lose to all these bottom feeder teams because those bottom feeder teams step up and play so that they know they belong in the NHL. So Every team has a bad game, and every team has every bad team even has good games. Um, not going to say the Sharks are completely terrible this year, but they're not the best of where they used to be. But they do tend to level, level, uh, elevate their game to uh, their opponents, and I think that was the case in this game. So um, I think Jones, especially, kind of stepped up tonight, and um, I thought he looked really well. And, and or not tonight, but the other game, I thought he looked really well, and. Uh, had some really good saves, um, kind of frustrating the Colorado shooters, I feel like. that You could see the frustration in some of their faces, and uh, that's always good to see on the other team. <laughs> Not so much. Absolutely. Um, so I want to bring up uh, Lundy here, 399 in the Super Chat. Thank you, Lundy. We appreciate that. It says, way to bring up Braun. I don't know if you're being sarcastic and you're upset now because I brought up Braun and he's your boy and you don't want it. You're, you're, you're feeling sad. Or no, uh, if you think. I think he's happy. He's happy happy? that Braun was mentioned without him having to tell us. (laughs) There you go. So, hey, thank you for the 399 Super Chat. We really appreciate that. Lundy, always a contributor and uh, certainly does help out the show. We do appreciate that. I'm going to get back to one of these comments uh, right after here. It says, Mr. Sandpaper, don't show it yet, Super Producer Jason. We're going to get to that one in just a second. But I did ask Bob about the parody in the league that you're just talking about, right? Um, You know, a good team can have a bad game and a bad team can have a good game. Uh, in, in this case, maybe a bad team had a good game and and, and, and vice versa happening at the same time. So, uh, But I asked Bob about the parody in the league. And again, uh, following his player's example, he gave me a very generic hockey answer. So if it was something worthwhile, I would uh, share that with you guys. But unfortunately, that was not the case. However, we do have some post-game quotes that Aaron thought were pretty worthwhile. So he added them in here. Aaron, do you want to kick us off with these clips? Sure. Uh, the question was kind of asking Bob about how he thought the game was, because it seemed like the probably the best game the Sharks have played all season. And he agreed talking about 60 minutes uh, of being played. So uh, let's roll the clip right here. Yeah, I, I think we've been talking about this a lot. I think that uh, um, this is a team that has some great moments, but putting 60 together has been a, the challenge. And uh, tonight we put 60 together. I thought that, you know, between the second and third, we talked about, you know, a, a talks enough uh, um you know words are everybody's sick of talking about you know details and structure let's just go out and do it um we all know what we're doing here um you know and everybody's just got to dig in i thought each line contributed i thought all the d played well obviously jonesy made some great saves at the right times and, and that's the difference i think uh um you know that's how we need jonesy to play and that's how we need doobie to play the uh you know he was one of our best players There you go. That's that's one thing that I think I've been saying practically all season is we have not seen a 60-minute game fully played. And by 60-minute, I don't mean a shutout. Obviously, a shutout is going to be a 60-minute full game, but I'm not expecting shutouts from this team. I'm more expecting – what I mean by 60 minutes is a game where the Sharks kind of put a team away and they never seem like in doubt. Uh, most of the Sharks' wins, other than this one, have come where it's, it's a nail-biter till the end and they have to fight tooth and nail to get those – 
those two points uh, in regulation. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of that with the Sharks this season. A lot of their wins have either come from overtime, shootouts, or uh, coming in the last minute. I mean, granted, there was an empty netter in this one, but that was what a three goal lead. So they kind of pulled their goalie. That was a that was that was a super. Uh, was it three nothing? Or I mean, three three lead, three goal lead. Wasn't a two goal lead, right? Am I doing my math right? Because it's six to two. Yeah, man. Sorry. You good? Yeah, baby brain. <laughs> sleep, All right, so sleep is non-existent in my household, so I'm a little <laughs> cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs right now. <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, we also have another quote here from uh, Eric Carlson. Um, it's actually a question that I asked, apparently. So uh, you want to go ahead and roll this one? Uh, yeah, Carlson, uh, kind of the same thing. was asked about how he felt about the there's, – there's two questions here. The first one's about – Kind of the same thing asking Bob about, was it a full 60 minute? Was it satisfying to get a win like this? And then there was a follow-up question with Paul afterwards that uh, that we'll roll right into. Yeah, I think it was the most consistent win. Uh, you know, it was 2-2 going into the third. We're playing, uh, you know, one of the best, if not the best team in the league. Uh, so I felt like, you know, we didn't, uh, we didn't hesitate. Uh, we didn't, you know, play not to, uh, not to lose. I, I thought that, you know, we played to win the game. Uh, that doesn't mean that that's always going to happen, but it felt like that was uh, our mentality going into the third. And, uh, you know, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to risk it a little bit sometimes to uh, to win games in this league. And uh, I think we, we managed and did a good job in doing that, uh, you know, especially in the third period when, uh, you know, it was a tight game. One more here. Let's go to Paul. Hey, Eric. Uh, earlier in the season, Bob wanted you to simplify, and it seemed like you felt you needed to do more. Uh, would you say you found a happy medium? No, I think it depends on the situations out there. Uh, I don't think that you can draw up anything on the board exactly how it's going to play out out there. Um, I made some simple plays today that did not work out, and I made some that were a little bit more difficult that did. Uh, that's just the way it is sometimes. You're going to have to make a decision on what you see out there uh, in 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 that moment. And whatever that is, uh, you know, you just hope that, uh, you know, the percentage wise, uh, you're on the good side of things more often than not. And if you are, uh, you know, that's plain simple to me. I don't want to stir the pot. Here we go. But, 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 but does that not sound like there's a little bit of a disconnect between Eric Carlson and Bob Bugner? Just a little bit. I think Bugner is trying to limit the turnovers and the mistakes that he's making in the back end by having him play a simpler game, kind of forcing him to change the way he plays. Um, I feel like it's like trying to tame a wild horse in a way, you know, like you can do only so much, but is it working? I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I think it's, I thought tonight defensively he had some pretty good plays, uh, breaking up some passes and and some odd man rushes. I thought he played pretty decent. Um, he's not going to be the defender that's going to push guys off the puck. So he's he's very much a stick checking type defenseman who plays more with his brain than with his body. Um, not so much a knock on him. That's just I think people get upset when they're like, "Why isn't Eric Carlson clear out the net?" Well, look at him. He's not going to be able to do that, right? To most most forwards in the NHL are gonna be bigger. So he's just a different a different type of defenseman. Um but yeah, I think I think Bugner and him not that they're fighting or anything, it's not like there's hate in there. It's just he's 
he's changing his game. He's evolving his game. Yeah. So I'm not talking about necessarily the defensive side. I'm talking about the offensive side of it. It sounds yeah. like he's saying, you know, I, I'm there. I made some simple plays today that didn't work out, but I made some more difficult ones that did. So it's not something that you can just drop on the board. And I, when I hear that stretch of what he just said to me, that's kind of like, yeah, I know you want me to simplify my game, but I'm doing the things that work for me, regardless of what you think. That's kind of how I took it. I'm not trying to put words in anybody's mouth, but that's what I hear uh, when, when I hear that stretch of words there. So I don't know. I, again, it feels like maybe they're not quite on the same page in terms of what he should be doing. And uh, frankly, I'm okay with Eric Carlson, the Eric Carlson that goes out and makes spectacular plays and fumbles the puck now and then. He did it tonight, right? He tried to do something a little too fancy. He was sitting on the it was a power play. He was sitting on the blue line. Uh, he got the puck and it looked like he was going to pass it back on the boards, but then he held on to it. And he's like straddling the blue line with the puck. And there's an avalanche player that's, you know, right on top of him. But he, he just kind of wanted to see if he could fake him out a little bit. And then he tried to get the puck back in down low and didn't work out. And then the puck pops out of the zone. It's lucky that it wasn't a breakaway going the other direction. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, again, I, I like that higher risk, high reward out of him. If we wanted just a normal defenseman, we would just get a normal defenseman uh, making simple plays. But I do think he needs to simplify his game now and then. But I think he's right in a sense that, yeah, there, there are times where he tries to make the simple play and it doesn't work out. And then he tries to be a little bit more spectacular and it does. And sometimes it blows up in your face and that's okay. Um, that's <laughs> just part of the game. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I understand what you're trying to say here. And, and yeah, I agree somewhat. I think he's trying to he's trying to show that, hey, I can be a creative player that you're not going to be able to, you know, do the X's and O's on a chalkboard for me. Um, I'll be able to change some stuff around it and adapt to the play on the ice and see what he can do fit because I mean, Eric Carlson can skate. That's probably his best asset and being healthy. And it looks like he's healthy to me. Like, even though he's just on the IR for a little bit, it looks like uh, his, if it was his groin issue um, seems fine because he wouldn't be able to push off like he is if it was a bad groin. So he seems comfortable. He seems great. And I feel like always with the puck in the offensive zone, he's pretty, he's pretty good. He's, he's one of the best. So I still think he's got it. And, uh, I like the creativity of him. I like, I like players like that, that are creative, that are not predictable. Cause I feel like the sharks in the last decade have been completely predictable in the offensive zone because they just follow the, follow the coaching of this is the, the play designed up and other teams catch up, you know, pick up on it and know how to defend it. And then it just goes back the other way. Like if I feel like, the Sharks will introduce a new kind of system. It works for about a season, maybe a half a season. Other teams pick up on it and figure out how to counter it and completely destroy it. And then the Sharks try and hammer it another couple seasons, and it's just not working. So I like players like Eric Carlson that will just buck the trend and kind of do things because they're unpredictable. I mean, similar. look at Brent Burns' goals, right? Those two highlight goals that he had this season. You can't draw that up. You can't just say, hey, Burns, do this every time you're in the zone, right? Like that's just, that's not a set play. It just happened. So I'm totally fine with it. And I was happy that the sharks kind of were, I feel going into the season, they were trying to, um, at least from what he was saying from what Bugner and this coaching staff, right? I think Rocky Thompson too, saying that they're, they're leaving areas open for creativity, which is what I was happy about because that means it's very unpredictable. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go back to uh, something Mr. Sandpaper said, uh, Super Producer Jason, right above where 
uh, Lundy uh, so graciously gave us the 399. Yes, there it is. After such a great game, why move so many players down up before tonight? Well, that's the next topic here is that the uh, Sharks and Kuda had a big player exchange. Five players uh, go up and down here, right? So um, to the Sharks, uh, Koshinosh, which a lot of people say Coronar. I asked him myself. He said it was Koshinosh. Uh, Nick DeSimone, Curtis Gabriel, Joachim Blickfeld, and Joel Shellman, or Yoel Shellman, I should say, all moved up to the Sharks roster from the Barracuda. And the only one of those guys to dress was Joachim Blickfeld. Uh, to the Barracuda, Alexei Melnichuk, Nick Malosh, Noah Greger, Sasha Schmeliewski. So none of those guys were playing as of the last game. So they, they're they just basically going to get some time, some reps in the AHL. That's really all that is. Um, Melnichuk, this is something that Bob had said after the 7-6 loss, um, that they were going to get some North American ice experience for Melnichuk, and that was going to have to happen at the AHL level first. So he's been with the Sharks practicing and kind of getting to know that system, getting to know the NHL speed, because he is a very big part of the future. And Bob has alluded to that. He didn't even allude to it. He just flat out said it. He, he's a big part of our future here. So it sounds like what's happening now is Melnichuk is getting moved off of the taxi squad to the Barracuda so that he can get some reps in on North American ice. Remember, North American ice is a smaller rink. So it's, it plays differently. For a goaltender to kind of get into the league, you kind of need to learn that that ice, that smaller ice and where guys are going to be attacking from and how much faster they come at you as opposed to having that bigger, wider rink, right? So he's doing that at the AHL level. The NHL is not a league that you learn in. It's not the training experience league, right? So he's going to get that done with the Barracuda, and that's why he's moved. It's not because he's a bad goaltender and they're moving him out. It's because he's a great big part of this future and they need him to get the reps, and the best place to do that right now is at the AHL. So uh, that's what that was. Now, to your question, um, why move so many players up and down? Well, again, none of the guys that moved down were playing as of the last game. And the guys that they brought back in, I mean, only one of them was Joachim Blickfeld and actually dressed. So I don't know if they want, they, they need to have a certain amount of people in the taxi squad. I think there's a minimum number that you have to have. So that might have been part of it, adding those guys into the Sharks roster. Now, maybe, you know, Curtis Gabriel. Uh, is a guy that they can insert into the lineup against you know, Vegas Golden Knights, right? So uh, instead of having, you know, your first liner in Evander Kane taking on uh, their fourth liner in Ryan Reeves, maybe if Reeves is getting a little fancy out there with the with the mitts, you put Curtis Gabriel in the lineup and you have him drop the gloves and and Kane can go out there and try to score a goal here. So uh, maybe that's what they were thinking. But I, I would imagine that's what the case was. It doesn't seem like there's – these guys were an integral part of the the win that they had uh, two nights ago. And so why change everything up? These guys were kind of extras and on the taxi squad. So it, it really didn't disrupt anything that they had on the roster. The only change made was that, uh, was his name? Blickfield entered the lineup. That was really the only change. So um, yeah, in terms of why it's, it's, it's kind of a, a non-issue for me. So just kind of wanted to bring that up. I, I did want to answer your question because I did, I did see that and I told you I was going to, jump back for that one. So, um, yeah. Okay. So he's not saying that it would have changed the outcome of Blickville definitely had an influence on tonight's game. Just saying, okay. Um, I don't, you, do you mean a positive influence or a negative influence? I'm not sure. I mean, he was, I mean, other than the hit, my goodness, uh, Aaron, did you see the hit? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? Did you think that that, I didn't think it was malicious in intent. I think it was just one of those ones where he knew that the guy wasn't quite looking and wanted to get a, a shoulder on him. And it just happened to kind of glance towards the chin. I don't think he was, he was uh, targeting. We'll say. 
Yeah, I mean, I I replied on Twitter to uh, I think it was um, uh, Brody Brazil's tweet asking asking kind of the fans what they thought. I don't think it was an intent to injure. I think um, I think Blackfield was heading towards the bench anyway. McKinnon was kind of in a weird spot. He was kind of losing the puck at his feet and he was circling around it, trying to find it so that he could dump it in and get a change because he was at the end of his shift as well. And Blackfield's coming off the ice to going towards the Sharks bench. And this happened right in front of the Sharks bench too. Um, Blackfield saw him, dropped his shoulder into him and tried to pop McKinnon in the shoulder. But because McKinnon was spinning, that kind of put McKinnon in a bad spot. He was completely blindsided. He never saw Blackfield coming. So I think it's twofold. I don't think it was an intent to injure. I think Blickfield was trying to light him up, knock him on his butt, hit him on his shoulder to shoulder. But because McKinnon was spinning, he caught his shoulder and his jaw and just knocked him. Didn't knock him out, but I'm sure this is a concussion. He looked a little dazed on when he got up and was skating with the trainer. He was he was kind of shaking his head, like doing quick shakes and trying to like shake off probably either the dizziness, the blurry vision or something. So I'm pretty sure this is a concussion. He might be out for a little while. Now, I don't think it was an intent to injure, but I do think it was a reckless play. I don't think he needed to hit him. He didn't need to skate through him that hard. Um, Blickfield's a bigger, stronger guy, and I think he was just trying to like, you know, shoulder him and kind of try to knock him back but not hurt him. I don't think there was an intent to injure there. Now, he got hit. The penalty was a five-minute major with intent to injure, so he got a 10-minute game misconduct and kicked out of the game. Um, that's going to get looked at. I think it's an automatic look by the league because it got kicked out of the game. That's one of the newer rules after the Pavelski thing. They also reviewed it during the game to make sure that it was, to make sure they got the call right, which I have no problem with. Now, the Twitter warriors were very upset because they feel like Sharks never get these calls for them, which in the past, I agree. There's a lot of calls that were missed. One one of the worst ones I can ever think of is Rafi Torres' hit on Milan Mahalik in the playoffs when Rafi Torres is with Edmonton skating across the neutral zone, going on a line change. Mahalik isn't even looking, not even on the play. And he gets an elbow to the face, knocks him out of the playoffs. And at that time, Mahalik was kind of a, I think it was, it might've even been his rookie season. He was doing very well. And one of the Sharks best players, and he took an elbow to the head. The shark, the, the league didn't even suspend Rafi Torres. Like it was an awful hit. Granted, this was in 2000 and, six 2007 is a long time ago so the league has changed um i think the league is really trying to stamp out these head hits i have no problem with the call on the ice i have no problem with there's a suspension afterwards because if this is against the sharks or if uh, the hit was against the sharks and let's say logan couture takes a hit like that would you want the league to go after that player that hit him regardless of who the player was if it was a bottom lane guy or not yes absolutely I would want the league to take action and, and stamp these hits out of the game. I think it was unnecessary. He didn't need to do it. It was unfortunate that McKinnon got hit, and it just so happens that McKinnon is arguably the best player in the league right now. He is slightly better than Connor McDavid, which might get me some hate, but kind of two different players, but he is up there one and two with, with Connor McDavid, and you just took this guy out with Joachim Blickfield playing in his first NHL game in over a year. Come on. That, it's going to warrant a suspension that you know that's going to be coming and and yes everyone's like oh because it's a star player you know there's going to be a suspension because a star player got hurt of course there's going to be you need to protect your star players you need to protect your assets if this was if this was couture if this was hurdle if this was kane if it was any of the top sharks guys absolutely you want the league to do something about it 
I'm not saying you don't want the league to do something if it wasn't a star player, but you definitely need to step up and protect your star players. That is a very valuable asset to the league, not just the Colorado Avalanche, the entire NHL league, including the Sharks. That helps everybody. It helps the league get better, having better players out in front. So sorry for going off on a huge rant here. I, in my opinion, I have no problem with the call. I have no problem with what I'm ex- fully expecting a suspension to come out of. But uh, unfortunately for Colorado, the suspension isn't going to help them. Joachim Blickfield was probably not even going to be in the lineup. So he gets suspended. Who cares? You know, it was at the third period, the end of the game. And now you're going to miss your star player, probably your best player for who knows how long. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that one. Um, I think it was it. Was it Patrick up here? I just, I just missed the comment here um, saying that is Blickfield the new Rafi Torres. We need to play with sandpaper. Uh, no, he is not the new Rafi Torres. Uh, if you remember, he was the guy that led his league in, in scoring and goal scoring, I believe, uh, before getting over to the Sharks. So he's he's a sniper. He's not a guy that's going to be uh, out there running people and hitting people and whatnot. He's, he's a guy that's going to try to put the puck in the net. Uh, this was maybe this is why the hit happened the way that it did. Frankly, he's probably not a guy that generally throws hits. He's a guy that tries to shoot the puck. And so you go to, to hit Nathan McKinnon. Maybe you're not as adept at targeting and, and it kind of go, gets away from you a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't really have a problem with with him kind of getting the the five minutes. You know, it, it, I, I agree with you. If If you have a guy that gets hit in the head and he was on your team, um, then you would probably want the same thing to happen. And frankly, you're right. Blickfield, it's, it's not going to matter because he's probably not going to be in the lineup. Well, he's obviously not going to be in the lineup if he gets suspended, but he probably wouldn't be in the lineup anyway uh, with other players that they can rotate in. Again, it's the same thing as we saw last season. There's that kind of that revolving door. Uh, Alex True is getting his shot right now. Uh, Blickfield was getting his shot tonight. So, you know, it is what it is. We'll have some other guy fill in, and it'll just kind of keep rolling. Uh, one guy I did miss, by the way, uh, Steph Nason, on his way down to the Barracuda as well. That should give them a pretty solid punch, uh, offensively at least. Uh, I do want to also bring up that – oh, Lundy here. Uh, Lundy is still talking about <laughs> still talking about Braun in all of this. Lundy, buddy, I know you like Braun, uh, but my goodness, uh, you're going to have to – you got you need therapy, bud. Uh, just a uh, nice one of you bringing up Braun, not just me. Yeah, well, when you uh, – when you support the show, we'll definitely get your comment in there. So no matter what it is. So there you go. Um, okay. So let's move on to game number two that happened tonight. We talked a little bit about the whole McKinnon Blickfield thing, but there was a lot going on. Uh, not so much for the Sharks, unfortunately. In the first period, there was no scoring whatsoever. Uh, both teams were getting their chances. The Sharks, the Sharks were staying honest defensively, I thought. Uh, both teams kind of canceling each other out, obviously. There were no goals allowed. So I thought it was a pretty solid period by both teams. Uh, unfortunately, there were no goals, and that makes for boring hockey, but it's what it is. Moving on to the second period, Colorado finally breaks the ice. Uh, it's one nothing over halfway through the period. It was a shot through Kane's legs. Jones was screened. Actually, I know what you guys are saying. Paul, you're making excuses. I didn't type this note. Aaron did. Aaron, do you want to take this one? Yeah. It's, uh, what was it? Was it kind of off the faceoff on this first one? I can't remember. Um, either way, the shot went through Kane's legs. I think it came across, and then it was a one-timer. It went through his legs. So uh, Jones was screened on. He couldn't really see it. Um, and what's odd enough is the second goal, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead a little here, but the second goal was also through Kane's legs. He screened Jones twice 
all Kane has to do is either turn his body or, or close his legs up a little bit more, and he blocks that shot, and it's nothing. It gets out of the zone. So I'm not saying it's completely his fault, but maybe you should learn after the first time, like keep your legs closed and, and not let those go through because either that or get out of the way so that your goalie can see. You know what I mean? Like just either block the shot or move. That 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 makes me as a goalie, as a as a goalie in soccer, makes me angry. Is if you're not going to block the shot, get out of the way so I can see it coming. <laughs> that always frustrated me because I got screened on stuff too. I mean, granted it was soccer, not hockey, but similar similar stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, when I was playing defense, I, w- I would you know attempt to block the shot too, and it's like if if I can block it, great. But if I if I don't have an opportunity to actually block the shot, yeah, my goalie would want me to get get out of the way. Essentially, the hard part is when you get out of the way, and then the guy carrying the puck sees that you're getting out of the way, and then drives the lane. Um, so it's kind of a catch twenty two, right? So uh, unfortunately, you need to be an NHL caliber goaltender. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, defenseman uh, to to really play that one correctly. Because if it's me. People are going to walk right by me, unfortunately. So uh, five foot seven, folks, uh, it's, it's, I'm not too hard to beat. Um, so anyway, uh, the Sharks uh, with a, a power play opportunity late in the period to kind of get themselves back into this game. It was an atrocious power play by the first unit there. And it was just, uh, apart from the initial chance by Kane, I don't know if you remember this one, uh, Kane had an opportunity down low. Uh, he, he fired the puck and Grubauer was right there for it, but um other than that they just they they were turning the puck over repeatedly there was a lot of blind rimming of the puck blind passes they couldn't enter the zone they couldn't get set up it was just typical sharks power play hockey for for me for what i see now maybe that's pessimistic and i don't like being pessimistic but um that's just kind of the way that i see it and i see this all the time with them is they have such a hard time entering the zone i saw a lot of comments in the chat earlier talking about the whole drop pass, the back pass, right? You carry it in and then you turn around and you pass it backwards. And yes, it is a very obvious thing, but every team in the league does it for a reason. Because if you don't pick up the first guy, if you let him walk back and you cover the guy behind, then he just walks across the line. So it forces you, even though you know what's going to happen, it forces you to get sucked back into the zone and then get flat-footed. So that's why every team does it. So is it annoying? Yes, absolutely. It's annoying and I hate it, but it's a strategy and it's what they do. If you, if you remember the first time that they were doing three on three in overtime, it was wide open back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Nowadays, it's a lot less of that. It's possession, holding, going into the zone, getting out of the zone, going into the zone. Getting, it, they, all they do is hold the puck the entire time. And it's a lot more like boring than it was when you first started seeing three on three, somebody figured out, Oh yeah, if we just possess the puck the whole time, we have a better chance of winning this game. So um, sometimes the better strategy isn't the most extra- exciting strategy, but uh, that's kind of what happens with that whole back, back pass thing. So, um, yeah, the, the the power play just was not very good at all. Power play two, the second unit, they could not win a faceoff, but they at least had zone time. Like, I don't know what it is about the the younger guys who maybe aren't thinking the game as hard as the the veterans, but they seem to be able to enter the zone just by way of throwing the puck in and and putting that blue collar hard work on, right? So they go after the puck and they just do it. Whereas the the top power play unit seems to be more of the finesse. I have to pass the puck a hundred times before I get my perfect shot in there. Right. So I don't know. I, I think maybe Bob needs to start off with the second unit, get some energy going and then throw the top guys out there to kind of feed off of that energy next time around. Um, but I don't know. What, what do you think about the power play? Well, that second unit, they kiss, they keep it simple, stupid. So it <laughs> helps. I think that helps a lot. Um, keeping it simple and, and more of moving the puck quickly, moving themselves, moving their feet and getting shots. Um, as a second power play unit, you can't really 
you can't really take your time like I feel like the first unit feels like they can, if that makes sense. I mean, the top unit, usually on a team, the top unit is going to get of a two-minute power play, probably a minute 15. That second power play is going to get about 45 seconds. So they have less time. They're kind of under pressure more to get something done before the power play is over. So I think maybe that plays into it a little bit, um, but it's more effective. I, I, I really get upset when I watch the Sharks power play when they either can't enter the zone, which happens to a lot of teams, but you have two highly paid defensemen that are to built to do just that. That's what they're getting paid for. Um, so zone entry should never be a problem for the Sharks. Um, but at the same time, you need to have movement. And I feel like I get frustrated when you watch them sit like Carlson or Burns at the point and they sit with the puck and wait for someone to move and nobody's moving. They're all just standing still. Like, what's the point? What What are you doing? It, it, you need to be moving around. When you see them moving their skates and they're changing positions, it throws the defenseman off on the other team of who they ought to cover and, and the gaps that they have to cover because they're opening up passing lanes, not just shooting lanes. So I feel like the Sharks need to move their feet more and move the personnel around more, and they're just not doing that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, I like that. Keep it simple. And I don't think that the top line does sometimes. I think they, they try to get as skilled and convoluted as you could possibly get. And maybe that's where Bob Bugner has takes issue with Eric Carlson's game. And we talked about that earlier in the show. So um, I, I think there's a lot to be said for simplifying the game. If you're a very good player and you play the game uh, very simply, um, I, I think there's more propensity to do more damage because you're going to do those simple plays at a very high level. Whereas if you try to do those fancy plays, they might blow up in your face once in a while or more often than not, um, especially if you're not of that caliber. But even if you are, it's it's a high-risk play. So uh, I think keeping it simple is probably the better way to go. But get the puck on the net and crash. You know, I really wish I would see a lot more of that. Just throw the puck at the net and crash it. You got Evander Kane. You got Timo Meyer. You got guys, well, when, when he's healthy, hurdle. Big bodies that get in front of the net and can really throw it, uh, throw the trash in there. So I, I would rather see that more than anything else. Um, Anthony Sanchez says uh, he liked what he saw in Alex True, and it reminds him of another Desjardins. Uh, I don't know if he reminds me so much of Desjardins. Uh, he seems a little bit slower out there to me, but maybe it's because he's just a huge hulking human being. Uh, but yeah, no, I know I liked Alex True's game. Logan Couture liked Alex True's game as well. It was a question I got to ask Logan in the previous. Uh, post game interview, and he said, "Yeah, he's great up the middle. He takes, uh, you know, faceoffs, and um, he's very strong on the puck, and he he kills penalties. He does a lot of really good things. So he's he's been solid for us. So yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. I like True's game. And this is the guy that I've been, or one of the guys that I've been looking forward to having uh, a shot with the San Jose Sharks coming over from the San Jose Barracuda. So it's good to see him out there. Good to see him getting the reps in. Good to see him succeeding uh, as far as not not having." you know, crazy expectations and him scoring lots of goals or whatever. I'm just saying the the basic parts of the game where he's being sound defensively or he's he's hard on the puck, he's pressuring, right? Those types of things. I think that to me is what they're looking for out of Alex True, not to get on the scoreboard necessarily. So I, I like Alex True's game a lot uh, myself as well. So uh, there is that, and, and I do agree with you. Um, Patrick chimes in says, I'm with you, Paul, about being five foot seven. I am five foot seven and a half. Patrick, you just had to one up me, huh? By that half inch. Is that what this is about? We're trying to talk hockey here and you talking about the extra half inch you got on me and height. This is ridiculous, Patrick. Um, <laughs> so, uh, let's go ahead and 
finish up this game. Third period, Avs turn up the pressure. Uh, we just cannot clear the puck, and it leads to a bunch of defensive zone faceoffs, which, of course, we can't win. Uh, Girard gets his second goal in as many games against the Sharks. That's another goal that goes through Kane's legs uh, for a screen. So it's it's hard for a goaltender to save a puck if you can't see a puck. I challenge anybody out there to blindfold yourself and have somebody throw an onion at your head and see if that onion hits or not, uh, if you can catch it. So, uh, yeah, I just I have a hard time with people always blaming the goaltender. It doesn't matter what goalie it is. It could be any goalie. It doesn't have to be Martin Jones. If, if, you're, if you're screened, it's going to be very difficult to make that save, and I have a really hard time blaming you for that. So I, you need the help from your teammates. And I said this in the last show, too. Martin Jones is a guy that needs help from his teammates. He's not a guy that's going to stand on his head every night and change the game. So as a team, if you recognize that that is what Martin Jones is, you need to play to that strength and be there for him. You need to clear the net. There's so many times, and even tonight I saw it too, where especially on like the PK, now I understand it's a a penalty kill and there's going to be a guy in front of the net. But when the shot comes through and Martin Jones makes the first save and the, the two closest guys that are inside, not on the outsides, on the inside, are both wearing Colorado Avalanche jerseys, that's a problem to me. At most, there should be one because the other guy should be getting boxed out by a shark if the other defenseman is preoccupied with someone else. And that leaves one guy open in the middle, right? Fine, one, not two. So I think that, again, Martin Jones is not the best goalie in the world, but we know this. So instead of expecting it to happen every night, play to that strength or that play to that weakness, I should say. Be there for him when he needs it. You have to overcommit defensively to help Martin Jones be the goalie that he everybody wants him to be. So that's kind of my take on that. But McKinnon, again, he goes down uh, on a hit by Blickfoot. We just talked about that. It was a five-minute match penalty. I have no problem with it. Aaron has no problem with it. Uh, some folks may have issues with that, saying that you know it was just a clean hit and McKinnon wasn't looking and whatever else. I, fine. Uh, but as far as Aaron and myself, we don't really have a problem with that. But that kind of ended the game for the Sharks for me, right? Because after all said and done, there's only going to be seven minutes left. It's not like they score the five minutes go away. Sharks fans, we all know that, right? So uh, with only seven minutes left in the game and knowing that they were probably going to score at least one goal, which they did on that five-minute power play, that means you've got to crawl back by three goals with less than seven, and you spent the whole game scoring none. So I don't know. I I just felt like after that, that penalty got called. Well, this is probably it for the Sharks here. So... Um, and the, one of the things that of note during this uh, penalty kill, though, is Mario Ferraro blocking that shot. I don't know if you saw this. Mario Ferraro blocked a shot and he got hobbled by it. Basically, he had a hard time kind of even standing and, and, and moving around. But he kind of kept hobbling around out there and trying to make defensive plays. And you could tell after, you know, a good 15 seconds, 30, 20 seconds had gone by, the leg was starting to feel a little bit better in terms of him being able to put weight on it. It probably still hurt like a lot, but he was able to put his weight on it. And as soon as somebody... I can't remember who it was, got the puck on his side of the ice. Here comes Mario. And, I mean, this guy just has no quit in his game. Um, absolutely no quit. And I got to ask Bob Bugner about this one after the uh, the, the post-game, um, what do you call it, meeting or interviews that they have with the players and the coaches and whatnot. And I got to ask him about that. So, you know, first of all, is there any concern? And obviously there wasn't because Mario Ferraro finished the game, um, taking shifts well after that. But, you know, is what does that say about the heart for, for Mario Ferraro, for such a young player to, to go out there and finish that, that shift strong? And in summary, basically, Bob had said, you know, for younger players, I mean, younger players on this team, we're just younger players in general, I think, if, if there's a guy that you're looking to emulate, Mario is that guy. He's the guy that has a lot of fight in him. He's a guy that never gives up. He's a guy that's always moving his feet. He's got tons of energy. He's got a great personality uh, for the guys on the bench. 
Um, he's, he's the ultimate teammate. He's everything that you want, you know? So uh, I'm, I'm just super glad that we got Mario Ferraro on this team. I mean, can you imagine this is a guy that, you know, in the last season he was, you know, maybe he'll make the roster, maybe he won't. And then right now, even, even after Eric Carlson and Blasik are in the lineup and Shimmick's in the lineup, he's still on the top two playing alongside Brent Burns. And we all know it's not very easy playing alongside Brent Burns necessarily. He's a wild man. Sometimes it's not sure you know, what he's going to end up doing out there. He takes a lot of risks offensively. So to entrust that to this guy who's in a sophomore season as his partner says a whole heck of a lot about the character and the trust that the coaching staff has in Mario Ferraro. So I was really impressed with Mario Ferraro as Mario Ferraro, as I always am every single game. He's slowly, not slowly, he is just becoming my favorite player on this team. Uh, especially after Jumbo left, I feel like he's gonna, he's that voice in in the locker room. And as he continues to play with this team, hopefully, uh, I think he's just going to be more and more of that Jumbo esque personality in the locker room that kind of gels everybody together. Do you see it the same way with Mario? Because I, I love this kid. Yeah, look at the comments here. Uh, Mario is a future captain, Ferrari warrior. <laughs> Ferrari reminds me of Rudy Maximum effort. Absolutely. Um, I think Bugner said it maybe a month ago now that he's a future, not so much captain, but a future letter holder, meaning he'll probably be an alternate captain. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll be full captain material because usually, not not to knock him at all, I think he's a great player. I just don't think he would be a best player to be the captain because usually you want those guys to be on the ice the most, um, which is usually your best players. So I feel like um, he'll definitely have an A at some point in his career, and he is already a leader in the locker room. Um, but, yes, he, he is a leader by example. He's also very vocal. So that's somebody that everyone has a stereotypical captain material. Um, those players are, are great and not easy to come by. Doesn't mean they're all going to be captains, but he will definitely have a voice in that room for a long time. And the Sharks, I think he's a second-round pick from a couple years ago. Um, fantastic pick and i think that was one of if i remember correctly it was doug wilson jr's first draft where he was in charge of the scouting um and so this was his second round pick which is fantastic so sharks future at least looks bright on the back end for a little while um not so sure about the front end but you know things happen but yes mario ferraro is fantastic and yeah, i don't think there's enough. anyone that doesn't like him how about that uh, for other teams well yeah there's no Sharks fans that don't like this kid. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I know. I think you're bang on on that one. Um, let's see. I got uh, Anthony Sanchez here, here saying, Paul, the game was over before the Blickfield hit. Anthony, that's not fair to say because the game's over now, but hindsight is 2020. It was 2 nothing in the third period. Um, there's really no reason the Sharks couldn't have put two goals together. They put six goals together uh, in the previous game, and four of them came in the third period. So there's really no reason they couldn't have done that. So again, yeah. hindsight is 2020. That's not fair, Anthony. That's not fair. Go ahead, Aaron. There's, there's an interesting thing that I put in here in the notes too. Um, right after they scored the third goal, so the first power play goal on that five minute, uh, the Sharks didn't have to kill off a full five minutes. They didn't have to do a full Vegas and, and to get destroyed. So they <laughs> uh, they actually picked up a, uh, they drew a penalty. And so the Sharks ended up with a power play towards the end. And they almost scored a goal. I think it was Burns. Burns or um, or LeBanc, one of them, of course, put it wide. And the puck comes out of the zone, and Colorado comes back the other way and scores. And that made it four nothing. That's a two goal swing. Imagine it's going to be three to one if they if they put that puck in the goal for the Sharks. That's a three one game with I don't know eight minutes left in the game. And they you'd already seen them the night or two nights before come back against the Colorado Avalanche, so it was doable. 
Um, so to me, that was like, man, that was the turning point, not turning point, but that was the point where I said, okay, this game's done now because they scored that. They've been at four, nothing, obviously four, nothing's going to be done. But if it went to three to one, the sharks could have had a chance to come back there. Yeah. Uh, I want to call out some comments here. Uh, giving Mario some love here. Uh, Sonic tonic says, I love Mario. I'm glad we have him. Matt F Mario is a future captain. Mr. Sandpaper. Ferrar equals warrior. Anthony Sanchez. Ferrar reminds me of Rudy maximum effort. Uh, I don't know if that's Rudy Max. I think you mean Deadpool maximum effort, but okay. Uh, Mr. Sandpaper. Super Mario is legit. Anthony, I want a Ferraro jersey, but I fear the day I get one, he will decide to change his number. Yeah, fair enough. But you know what? Uh, at least it'll always be his original, and you can always say that. So uh, uh, there you go. Um, Okay, so finishing up this game, the whole reason they even got the power play, though, Saad ran over Jones. And the only thing I wanted to say about this wasn't, oh, Saad's a jerk. No, it's really just that Kane and Vlasic pounced on Saad. And this goes back to the whole thing with Shimmick and the disappointment of them not stepping up to Marcheseau when he took out Shimmick with the cross check and everything, right? The dirty plays that you want your team to stand up for each other. And this is something that Bob Bugner was very upset about with his team saying, we need to be good teammates off the ice, but also on the ice, right? So I need you guys to step up for each other. Well, that's something that happened. We saw that with Bennington when he left and you had uh, Devin Dubnik step up and say, Hey man, what do you think you're doing? Throwing these fake punches, get off the ice. Right. And you could see it. If, if Bennington had dropped him, Dubnik would have dropped him right there too. But it was nice for Dubnik to step up and say something to him, right? So I, I think like all these guys really have each other's backs now. Uh, and I said that last episode as well. So I think that's just kind of gelling just that much more. Um, because again, he gets ran into, Jones does. And the first thing Kane does is pounce on this guy's back. And Vlasic is right there with him. So it's not like, oh, Kane's got it. No, Vlasic was like, uh-uh, I'm getting this too. So it was... It was nice to see them kind of all sticking up for each other, especially for your goaltender, right? I think yeah. most teams would do that, but in, in general, it, you know, that was one of the messages that kind of needed to get sent, and I think it was received. Absolutely, and one thing that that really made me angry is Sharks not doing that, and look what happened. The Sharks stuck up for their goalie, and they didn't get a penalty, right? Yeah. You could still do that stuff. You could still get in scrums and, and stick up for your players, and you're not going to get a penalty, which I feel like is what they were kind of worried about is that they didn't want to take a penalty, but screw that, man. Take one for the team, stand up for your teammate, and take a penalty or not, you're still standing up for your teammate, and the other guys aren't going to do that anymore. Did they run Jones again? Nope. Yep, good call. Speaking of good calls, uh, Randy Hahn, uh, doing everything he can to help the Sharks uh, come out with uh, a goal in this one. I think he said shut out five times uh, over the course of the uh, the near the end of the third period there. Um, I, I almost tweeted it out to him saying it's not working, Randy, keep trying. But uh, I just wanted to bring that up. Randy, uh, we do appreciate you and all your attempts at saying shout out to try to get the Sharks a goal. Willing the hockey gods, please put one in the back of the net for us. Uh, but yes, back to, to the guys that were having a good game again. I thought Alex Trier had a really good game. Another guy that I thought was was phenomenal and is is building stock in my book. And, and he's done quite a bit of that lately is uh, Nijov. They're saying Nijov. Um, but I think it was Kanijov, but whatever. Um, he looks very confident to me. This guy is a very strong skater. He's strong defensively. He's holding the blue line. Um, he's elusive with the skating. We saw him take the puck uh, behind the net, and he was uh, more like towards the corner, actually. And he was skating towards the, the boards there, and it looked like he was going to go left and turn right really sharp and just eluded one of the Colorado four-checkers. 
And, you know, for a guy who's playing his first season in the NHL to, you know, kind of, you know, play around a little bit and do a little fake like that, uh, it shows that he's very confident and very comfortable. And I'm just, I'm really excited to see what this guy's going to do as the years go by here. So uh, this could be a guy, a really low cost option for the Sharks going forward. And that's kind of what we need. We need low cost guys who can play the game at a high level. And I think he's absolutely that player, you know, uh, as much as Mario Ferraro, uh, kind of has my heart here, right? Uh, Kanijov is definitely one of those guys who's just, he's hes a phenomenal talent and he's done such a great job with the opportunity that he's been given. So I just wanted to call him out. And you know, another thing that I saw was uh, Eric Carlson kind of made a little pinch play and uh, the puck kind of squirted past him. And uh, Kanijov or Nijov was skating off towards that player to kind of pinch him off towards the boards, but he noticed there was another player coming. Timo was with that other, other skater. So he he actually turns and points to Timo, says, that guy, take that guy. So he's comfortable enough that he's directing traffic for other veteran players. And at this point, I would say Timo is young, yes, but he's played in the league long enough that he's, he knows what he's doing. But he's felt like he needed to say, hey, Timo, that guy, because I got this dude, right? So I just thought it was really is one of those big confidence things where he's he's able to sit there and direct traffic now as well. So Again, really looking forward to this guy. I think he's a phenomenal talent, and I just can't wait to see more of him. Um, beyond that, in this game and in all the games so far that we've missed and all the games or that he's missed and all the games that he's going to miss, Tomas Hurdle is absolutely missed in the faceoff. Dodd, do you have any numbers in terms of how bad the Sharks are on faceoffs, or is just, just the eyeball test good enough? No, just the eyeball test. When you look at um, the game stats from every game, the Sharks are losing the faceoff circle. So that's obvious. When Hurdle was in there, it was, you know, the Sharks are 52, 53% of winning, which is pretty decent. You're winning more than you're losing. And now it's like complete opposite. They're getting, sometimes it's like 42%, which is terrible. So, um, I mean, the eyeball test tonight, look at how many faceoffs in the defensive zone the Sharks lost. Um, was it one of them? Gerard's second goal, I think, was directly off of the faceoff. Uh, he wins the puck off the faceoff and shoots it right between Kaner's legs, and and who sc- screened Jones and goes right in the net. So um, faceoffs are a big deal, and and they either need to work on faceoffs or bring in somebody who is going to be a faceoff specialist. So um, and get Hurdle back. Hurdle's a big. It's a big piece missing right there. Is, is when you lose your centers. That's why centers are hard to come by in the NHL. Good centers that can win faceoffs, regardless if they're a third or fourth line guy. If you have a fourth line guy that's winning faceoffs like crazy, at least he's he's probably gonna be your number one penalty killer, and your team is gonna be better in a better position to win every night. So it really hurts. Really hurts having Hurdle out. Um, Before we get on to the next topic here, unless you had something else to say about Hurdle. Okay, before we go on to the next topic, I want to call out something Mr. Sandpaper said here. Uh, do you think COVID is hurting the Sharks becoming a cohesive team in that they don't have the opportunity to spend more time together and build bonds? If it is hurting them, it's hurting every single team as well. And this is something that Logan Couture would say as well. Um, that's an excuse. I'm not saying that's a bad question at all, Mr. Sandpaper. I'm just saying it, for, for them to use that and say that, oh, yeah, we're not as cohesive a team, that would be them making an excuse. And absolutely 100% Logan Couture would say that. He would say that is absolutely an excuse. So, uh, no, I, I don't think so. Um, it, not any more than any other team has to go through at least. So, um, yeah, I don't think that that's, that's part of their problem uh, any more than it is part of any other team in the NHL's problem. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, but Balsers, Aaron, you want to talk a little bit about Balsers. Go ahead. Well, going back, I think the Sharks, yeah, they they uh, they're in the same boat as every other team. They do have some new players and everything, but 
that the Sharks have more of a lack of talent and depth than anything else. So I think that's more of their problem than COVID, you know, keeping them from forming bonds. But yeah, um, Rudolph Balsers, man, I think he's been looking great on the Sharks. Um, before tonight's game, he had five points in the last four games. So now he's he's still sitting at a point per game, two goals and three assists uh, in his last five games. That's That's pretty good for a guy who... The Sharks picked up off of waivers, I believe, from back from Ottawa after they had traded him to Ottawa. Um, so way to get get one piece of him that Carlson trade back to 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 nullify that whole trade, right? <laughs> they should have traded him for uh, for another pick or something, or trade him back to Ottawa for uh, their second round pick for this upcoming draft. Hey man, but yeah, I think I think he looks good. I think he looks like he he belongs in the NHL. I was kind of worried that. They picked him up, and he was going to be another player that just kind of sits at the AHL level and is not quite good enough to break the NHL and stick. And to me, he's been looking pretty good with the speed and um, and looks comfortable, and, and he's sticking. Um, that's one thing I was going to bring up is also, or the next topic, I guess, is the lines being changed. They're kind of more balanced now. So for a while, we were seeing, we were seeing um, Timo Meyer up on the big line, right? Was it Couture, Kane, and, and Meyer? And Bugner kind of talked about this, I think, in the last game in the presser, um, saying that he tried it out and it wasn't working. He thought those three big bodies were going to be able to to kind of dominate games and it wasn't working, so he changed it up. And to me, this is um, Timo Meyer. I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think, before I went out. But Timo Meyer to me, is um, – a guy who dominates on a lower line when he's on the top line against top players, he kind of disappears. I think we see him a little bit more and he drives the line a little bit better. And right now he's playing his, his line mates are uh, Balsers and Dylan Gambrell, at least uh, a couple nights ago. And I think they looked pretty good. I think he makes them a little bit better. Um, they make him a little bit better based on their kind of playing style. And, um, he's helping drive the line. So, so it's similar to what Chicago always does. So Chicago always breaks up uh, uh, Taves and, and Patrick Kane. You would think that they would always stick their two top players together and they usually split them up into two different lines. Why? Why not have, why not have them dominate lines? Kind of like Colorado does with Ranton and uh, Landeskog and, and McKinnon. Well, you can break those guys up and they can drive a line by themselves now other teams have to break up their lines to kind of defend against it, and it's a little bit harder. When you have a one-line team, it's easier to defend against than having it split up and, and kind of broken out because then those those top players can drag up bottom bottom players or not as good players and make them better. Um, so I think Timo looks better on that line, kind of the second or even third-line pairing in a way. Um but yeah, and it's also interesting to compare Miko Rantanen tonight. I don't know if you were watching or if you paid attention to Colorado guys, but I love Miko Rantanen mainly because he's been on my fantasy team for years. And so I've really kind of paid close attention to his career. And they were drafted one right after another. So Timo Meyer went ninth overall. I think it was ninth, right? Ninth overall. And then Miko Rantanen was 10th. So it's really easy to compare and say, hey, what if the Sharks drafted Rantanen instead of Timo Meyer, which a lot of people love to do. Um, so it's fun to watch and see the difference in their games. And unfortunately, Miko Rantanen is the better player. It, it, it's uh, Timo still hasn't kind of lived up to the, I guess, the hype, you could say, of what he should be. 
Uh, Miko Rantanen has kind of surpassed it, and he is a superstar, not even an all-star. He's a superstar. Um, granted, he's playing with kind of better players with Nathan McKinnon and Landeskog, but they put it all together, man. And look at what he did when McKinnon went out tonight. Rantanen had another goal, another assist. He had four points tonight. He had a point on every single goal. That's your best player right there. So yeah, no, hard to argue. And and yeah, absolutely. The comparison between the two, I think there is no comparison. I think Rantanen can drive a line by himself and Timo Meyer can't. And um, if you want to talk about driving a line that, and you think that Timo Meyer is driving that third line, maybe it's because it's the third line. Uh, there's, there's, only, I mean, how much depth do we have on this team? If you're going to put Timo Meyer on the third line with a, a team that doesn't have much depth and it's probably going to be going up against other teams, third lines that aren't exactly the superstars of the team, then yeah, Timo better stand out. Uh, especially being a number nine pick, especially making the money that he does, especially having the expectation that he does. So uh, I don't know. For me, I, 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 I really do need to see more out of Timo. And I, I don't know what it is about his game that he just – he plays best when he just drives the puck to the net. I don't know why he doesn't just drive the puck to the net. He's a huge person. Like He's, he's, a, he's a tank. So I, I don't understand why he doesn't just drive it there. And, and hey, sometimes you're going to get knocked off the puck. Fine. In the same way that sometimes Eric Carlson's going to make a bad pass, but a lot of times he's going to make a really good one, Timo Meyer might get bumped off the puck, but a lot of times he's going to bowl over people and just get a good shot on goal. So I, I don't know. For me, I, I think it's, it's worth the risk of maybe losing the puck by trying to go into a high-danger scoring chance where there's you know maybe a, an, an extra defender. Uh, who's who's ready to take the puck away from you? But I mean, at least you're sucking two defenders, you know, to your uh, to your person and freeing somebody else up. That puck gets loose, or uh, you know, a rebound pops out, and both those guys are focusing on you. Then that gives your your teammate an opportunity to bang that puck in. I think there are simple things that Timo Meyer could be doing that would make him just a much better player. And I don't, I just don't know why he's not doing those things. Uh, and it's stuff that you know, the coaching staff has said this is how he plays best, and it just doesn't happen. So um, that's my whole take on on Timo Meyer. I, I'm I'm really hoping for a big turnaround from him. Maybe not so much this season, but as the seasons uh, of his contracts progress, uh, hoping to see some real growth there. But uh, uh, if 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 it hasn't happened yet, I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, he's still young. Don't get me wrong, but um, he should know by now what makes him successful. So I don't know. Yeah, to me, um, Timo like uh, he's a perimeter player. He's not a guy that's driving to the net as much as he should be especially for how big he is. He, and, he, and part of that is he playing, playing as a perimeter player. It's safer. You're not going to banged up as much. You're going to be in the lineup more, but you're not getting paid to be a perimeter player. You're being paid to be the guy that goes into the net. You're going hard into the net and you're going to take your licks and you're going to score more goals. That's what he needs to be. And he's not doing that. Yeah. See, Evander Kane can be a perimeter player, but he can also drive the net. Timo, I don't see him as that perimeter guy. I, I mean, his puck protection skills aren't exactly up to Evander Kane's abilities. So I, I mean, I, sitting on the boards and trying to puck protect or, or behind the net like like Kane did. Like we just talked about the other, the other game where Kane was protecting the puck behind the net, pops himself out and gets it to the bank and scores. You don't see a whole lot of that out of, out of Timo up against the boards like that. I, I would rather see him just drive, you know, use his speed and his size to just drive and, and just bulldoze people out of the way. Um, but that's not how he wants to play the game, I guess. I don't know. Um, regardless, uh, let's right. go ahead and move on. The next uh, series. Let's roll, well, let's roll. Let's do roll call right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell us where you're watching. Tell us. Uh, I don't know. What do you want to ask him? 
I don't know. You're the one who said roll call. You don't even know what you're <laughs> Roll call and tell us what jersey is your next jersey. Who are you going to put on your next jersey? How about that? Okay, wait, wait. Are you talking about which style of jersey or uh, what's the name? Uh, no, just what player would you put on your next jersey? Okay, the the, ne- the next player that you would put on a jersey, I think we had one person already say um, one of the names. Was Mario. Mario Ferraro, but they're afraid they're going to change the number. That's okay. Go ahead and throw that anyway. Uh, Timo thinks like Johnny Hockey, but Paul said it. He's a tank. He needs to work like old school McLaren. Yes. I mean, that's, that's well, what it comes down to. McLaren is a defenseman. It doesn't matter. He's a tank. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, I like this comment here. Uh, Timo is less effective Kane, and Donato is less effective LeBanc. <laughs> I don't know I if think- I agree with that. I think Donato is just fine. I don't pick on Donato. Who said that? Hold on. What was the name? I lost it. It was a great comment, but no, don't pick on Donato. Oh, he's, Kyle Hibbalt's getting a Dreisaitl jersey. That's just mean. Who is Dreisaitl? <laughs> All right, Kyle. let's talk about the next series. Um, next series is against Vegas, so right. that's going to be rough, right? Which means the Sharks will probably win both games because nobody's expecting them to be. <laughs> just kidding. I'd be happy with a split. What about you? Oh, are you kidding me? Okay, this is a team that's got the least amount of games played in the uh, Honda West division and has got the most points in the Honda West division. So, yeah, if we split, I'll be more than happy. I'll tell you what, if we get a point out of a possible four, I'll be happy. We, you know, look, you got to play to – you got to think realistically here. You know, well, oh, the Sharks aren't good enough. They're going to lose. Okay, fine. Then don't get upset when they actually do lose. You can't get on Twitter and start bombing the team because they <laughs> oh. did what you expected them to do. I'll get into that in a minute. Okay. But what's interesting about this game is this is the first weekend that they're kicking off where they're doing the Friday-Saturday back-to-backs. Now, what's interesting about Vegas is Robin Leonard went down with an injury um, during warm-ups of a game a month ago. And there's, it's been quiet, and he's been on IR since. People, the, there have been kind of speculations that it was a, a concussion now, which is why it's taking so long. But Mark Ranjay Fleury has started every single game since then, which is interesting because he gets hurt a lot, I feel like, Mark andre Fleury. So what will be interesting is it's a back-to-back. Are they going to start Fleury in both games? The first game, the Sharks should just absolutely shell him, make him make 40 saves and make him exhausted for the next game where they're going to have to bench him. That's where the interesting play is going to come into. Because at least the Sharks have both Dubnik and Jones ready to go so they can split them. But I think Vegas is playing Demko as their backup, and he's not good. Not good at all. Malcolm Subban's gone. He got traded to Chicago last year. So Demko is their backup right now. So it'll be interesting. It it could play out in the Sharks' favor. Is all I'm saying. Sure, let's let's hope for that. Um, I'm I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna expect it, but uh, yeah, we, you know we can hope. We can always hope. Okay, so uh, again, this begins the uh, first weekend of the back-to-back Friday Saturday night games. This is going to be uh, back-to-backs on Friday and Saturday night every week for the San Jose Sharks for the rest of the year. So it's going to be a it's going to be trying uh, trying times uh, coming up here, as if it wasn't enough already. You're going to have some tired guys on Saturdays, uh, every Saturday having to play a game. So as, as if you know, having the 
the road heavy schedule in the beginning wasn't enough and not being able to play at home wasn't enough. Now, yes, you get some more home games, but it's it's a back-to-back every single Friday, Saturday. That's going to be rough. So the next show that we're going to do, because we're going to go back to this after every mini-series thing, right? Uh, the next show that we're going to do is going to be on that Saturday, closer to like 10.30 p.m. again, just like tonight. Uh, we may just kind of call it as a after the game, right? And shortly after the game. So maybe that would be closer to like 10.15. I don't know. But uh, basically keep your, your, uh, your eyes open and your ears uh, open as well. And uh, if you don't have the notification bell checked and you're not subscribed, which I'm assuming all the people that are in here are subscribers. In fact, that uh, brings me to another point, but I'll get to finish this one off first. If you're not subscribed, please go ahead and do subscribe. And if you uh, do subscribe, please make sure you hit that bell because then you'll get the notification for when we do go live. And these these shows are really awesome when we have lots of comments and when we get to kind of uh, talk about the things that are going on. So uh, we appreciate that. It's not just the things that we want to talk about. But it's also the things that you guys want to talk about, even if it's Lundy uh, asking about Justin Braun still. So uh, there, there you go. Uh, but yeah, so so be looking out for that. Um, and then again, if you guys want to support the show, uh, again, there's the, the Venmo at the Fin Factor for Venmo. There's uh, the finfactor.com where you can get the shirts and the hats and the stickers and all that stuff. So there's all of that stuff. Aaron, was there anything else that you want to talk about with regards to the next series and uh, our start times or anything? Uh, no, just that we're going to probably bump it up so it's a, directly after the game and not waiting until 1030. Just so okay. not sitting around waiting. Gotcha. So the last thing I'm going to ask you guys to do, I know I've asked, you know, for the, the subscribing and, and all that stuff. I, you know, you, you hit the like button or whatever. That's cool. It's, it's great. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, what I would really like for you guys to do though is share. If you can do that for us, that would be awesome. If you guys like us, you think your friends might like us, please go ahead on any of the social uh, platforms, you know, Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or anywhere else and uh, share. Uh, these links to your friends and let them know, Hey, this, these guys, you know, I enjoy them. I think you might as well get them part of the conversation as well. So I, I we would really appreciate you guys kind of getting our name out there to some of your friends and family and other fellow fans uh, to kind of help us and support us. Uh, and of course we, we rely on you guys for a lot of that. You guys that, that are still in the chat here are a big part of the show. You're constantly here all the time. We want to say thank you guys for constantly showing up. Um, and I know, again, I hate, I hate to ask more of you, but yeah, if you can help us by, by sharing this stuff, uh, out to your friends and kind of uh, helping us get our name out, uh, we would absolutely appreciate that. So the last thing we have here, Aaron, it seems like you want to embarrass me one last time, uh, before we leave. So go right ahead. All right, let's see. And here's a, a picture of Paul and I, I think this is from eighth grade graduation. What's <laughs> got here? Super producer Jay. Here we go. Oh, wow. Where's that Bellerman? That's Bellerman. That's high school. That's high school. Yeah. Yeah, that's high school. Right? Is it? No, that's eighth grade. That's eighth grade. That's not high school. Look who's behind us. Look who's directly behind us in the middle. Oh, okay. That's Raj Kiros. That's Raj. Yeah. There you go. Look, can I don't try to get the attention on Raj in the background in the middle? Look at that head of hair, people. Look at the curls on that head of hair. Oh I think my I had, I had more hair than Paul at one point, which is just bizarre, isn't it? Dude, it looks like you're going snowboarding. <laughs> you got a full-on helmet. I had a lot of hair. <laughs> you know what? You know what my problem? Why I don't have hair? My hair grew too fast, and it grew out, and it ran out. It just grew too fast, and it's gone. It's gone. Yeah, I don't think that's how it works. It's not like Play-Doh, and you just push it down and. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly how it works, Paul. Right? Okay. You're lucky your hair grows slow. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, see, Matt F., there you go. Look at that lettuce. See, Matt? I'm not the only one. <laughs> Mr. Sandpaper, nerds. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, hey, uh, thanks for the uh, the walk down from uh, memory lane. Sonic Tonic, you guys are my Sharks friends. Oh, Sonic. <laughs> I feel bad for you now. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. Well, hey, uh, guys, I, I appreciate you guys uh, popping in and, and chatting with us. I know it's it's tough. Mr. Sandpaper said it to you. You got, you got a much bigger audience when the Sharks start winning constantly. Mr. Sandpaper, if you remember, we were here uh, during the, uh, the good year with <laughs> – uh, the the game seven against Vegas. Uh, if you go watch that episode, you can see how many views we had back then. Yeah, absolutely. When the Sharks aren't doing well, it's it's hard to gain an audience, and you know that's okay. But that's part of again where we're asking for your help. You know, if you've got some some folks that just like hearing about the Sharks and talking about the Sharks uh, and a very chill, relaxed, and family friendly a- atmosphere, uh, that is that is us. So if you would uh, please go ahead and share those to anybody else that you know. Again, appreciate that. Okay, Aaron, anything last? comments anything else you want to say uh i'll just go on off a rant later next show about sharks fans being upset that the sharks they okay. want to tank <laughs> right and then they get mad when the sharks lose like and yeah well we'll, we'll cover that later it's, okay it's long tonight that sounds good. All right. Oh, yes, of course. Thank you, Super Producer Jason. The Hockey is for Everyone Limited Edition t-shirt. Benefits Silicon Valley Pride. Sizes are small, medium, large, extra large. It costs $10 for shipping unless you're picking it up, and which you can do that at Solar for America Ice in their pro shop. So they are available for pickup there. You don't have to pay the extra $10 for shipping. It's limited availability in March 2021 or until they sell out. Only $29.99 for a shirt, and it goes to a good cause again. That's Silicon Valley Pride. They're available at sjteamshop.com. I've got one. Aaron's got one. I think Super Producer Jason picked one up. Super Key yeah. Joe, I'm pretty sure, picked one up as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's just a great way to show support for uh, the, the Pride community and you know, just to, to let everybody know, hey, man, hockey is for everyone. So um, I'll be rocking this with Pride as well. So I'm looking forward to it. Aaron, uh, any last things you want to say about this shirt? It looks pretty good. Nope. Can't wait to get it. Probably yeah. tomorrow or Friday. Okay, so uh, you're gonna probably see Aaron with that shirt uh, maybe on the next show. Who knows? Yep. Okay, well, with all that, again, I thank you guys for tuning in. I know this is a really long episode this time around, and Super Producer Jason just wants to end the stream. Um, so get on with it. I was just gonna say, I'm surprised we haven't gotten hit with it. Get on with it yet? There it is. It's almost like I'm calling it out now. Okay, so anyway, for Super Producer Jason, I don't know why I'm pointing this way. I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And we'll see you guys Saturday night. Saturday night. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at The Fin Factor and on Instagram at Fin Factor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.